In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai, after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. That's not just any mountain, that's the mountain. Verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Though the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set them before All the words of the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your principles of increase, your blessing and your power, your fire that's even here. Thank you for healing people. Thank you for touching people through the worship, through the giving, tithes. We just love you today. The Holy Spirit, come. Would you invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to your heart? Holy Spirit, come right now. If you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Spirit, go ahead and pray in the Spirit right now. We thank you and praise you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me ask you a rhetorical question. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What do you mean, what am I doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here this morning? What are you doing here in the earth? That's probably what the question they were asking Moses, because if you study this out, you'll find that the children of Israel were encamped before the mountain, that's Horeb, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, encamped there for probably about a year. What are we doing here? I think they were asking Moses. And some of you might be wondering that because your mom and dad made you come. What am I doing here this morning? You're here this morning to hear the Word of God, to minister to Him, to receive from Him. The question, however, what are we doing here, has deeper meaning. I want to look at this text of Scripture today, go through some of these verses, and then begin to apply it to your life. I've entitled the message, Living with Purpose. Say it with me. Living with Purpose. I remember as I was a young man, One of my purposes, I felt, was to buy a Suzuki GSX-R1100. And uh, as I attained my GSX-R1100, some of you know what that is, a really bad bike. It was the fastest production bike made at that time. And after I got that, and almost killed myself a number of times, I realized that my purpose must be greater than a GSX-R1100. As exciting as it was. I began to go into a deep depression and realize that my life was meaningless. And the enemy began to lie at me, lie to me. And I began to believe his lie. I want to talk to you about your purpose. 
Why is your heart beating within your chest this morning? Why are you breathing? Why are you alive? If you don't have purpose, your life will be miserable. We need to learn to live with purpose. Let's look at the text. God told Moses, go ahead, fill the blanks in. Now, the reason we give you these notes is to help you remember what I say. You say, well, I don't really need that. I can hardly remember what I preached by the time Friday comes around. Help you remember what I preached to you, but also so that you can whip that out and preach it to somebody. I don't care if you preach it to your dog. You ought to preach this thing to somebody. Share these notes with somebody. Amen. So Moses at the burning bush, God, God told Moses at the burning bush, when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship me or worship God on this mountain. Before God ever delivered the children of Israel, He said He was going to bring them out to Sinai into the bond of covenant, is what He said. And you can see that in the early chapter of Exodus. And this is what Moses did. The people thought perhaps it was a pit stop, but it's not a pit stop. It was a very special, purposeful stop to stop at Mount Sinai, to stop there to meet with God. I want to say to you that The reason God has delivered you, and if you're not delivered, just stick around. Keep coming. God will deliver you. Keep coming to church. Keep getting discipled. Keep learning the Word. But God doesn't deliver you so that you can have all the blessings. You see, if I was to ask you this question, I don't want you to answer it because really three quarters of the people will probably get it wrong and then I'll feel like I'm not discipling you very well. So listen to me. God didn't deliver the children of Israel so that they could eat grapes drink milk, and have some honey. God didn't deliver the children of Israel so that they could go in the promised land and get a nice piece of property and build a house and just rejoice. That is not why God delivered them. That's a byproduct. Everybody say it's a byproduct. A byproduct of being delivered is the blessings. The reason God delivered the children of Israel was so that they could come and worship Him. So that they would know him, so that we'd be brought into the bond of covenant. Blessings, a byproduct of that relationship that you have with God. Moses is called by God to be a spokesman to these people. He he gets his word from the Lord in verse four. God says, You know how I have delivered you. God declares what he's done for them. He's delivered them. Verse four talks about that. And he challenges them to obey. Challenges them to what? Obey. It's a big word in there. If. Everybody say if. Come on, we'll have the healing of our land and revival if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. There's a choice. You and I have a choice this morning. You had a choice of whether you'd get up and come to church. You have a choice of whether you'd brush your teeth or not. Some of you might have not done that. You have a choice of whether you eat. And you have a choice of whether you will live for God or not. And in living for God, there's tremendous blessings that come from that. God speaks to them. Look at, look at with me. Look into the text. Verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my commandment, then out of all the nations you'll be my treasured possession. That means if you don't fully obey him, if you don't keep his commandment, then you're not his treasured possession. Oh, He cares for you. He loves you. But it's, it's different. I want to say that no matter what you do, He loves you the same. So, Moses is called by God to be a spokesman 
He declares what God has done for them. He delivered them. And God challenges them through these words, if you obey, verse 5. The third thing that God shows is the blessing that they'll receive. God shows them the blessing they'll receive, the fulfilling of His purpose for them. You see that in verse 6. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Wow. So you'd say wow too if you understood that. And I'm going to explain it to you this morning. We get a glimpse of God's purpose in this text for what God had called the people, the children of Israel, to. But at the same time, we get a revelation of what our purpose is. God reveals His purpose for us. In order to understand this message, you need to understand what God has, what God has already done. The first thing is he's, he's redeemed us. Everybody say redeemed. He redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. See, what's so amazing is that this text of Scripture so correlates with the New Testament, it's amazing to me. What was the, the final plague? Come on, you all saw the movie. Didn't you see the movie out of Egypt? Hopefully you read the Word. But if you didn't, at least you saw the movie maybe. What was the final plague that caused Pharaoh to finally humble himself and let him go? It was the death of the, the firstborn. No matter who you were in your family, come on, how many of you were the, how many of you firstborn in your family? All right. That means if you were alive at that time and did not have the blood of the lamb on, your, on the doorpost of your home, then you'd have dropped dead in your home. Now that's a type. Everybody say it's a type. It's a type and a shadow pointing to the, the Lamb of God. Do you remember what, what John the Baptist said when Jesus came to him? Jesus, John the Baptist said when Jesus approached there at the Jordan as he was baptizing people, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You see, the Lamb that was slain there in the, in the book of Exodus that caused that blood as it was on the doorposts and the lentils, that, that blood that caused the death angel to pass over, is a type, or it's, it's, it's a type and a shadow pointing to, it's a picture of Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. For, them, for many as believed in Him, He gave them the right to become children of God. So you see right here, it's a picture of what God has done for us. Come on, Egypt, Pharaohs like Satan... Egypt, the bondage of sin. Hard is the way of the transgressor. The taskmasters in Egypt are like the demonic assignments that would come to try to drive you into the ground. And God will deliver you if you receive Jesus. Truly. And God, how many of you, come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How many of you are thankful for what God's done for you? So the first thing you've got to understand is God reveals purpose to us and living with purpose is understanding He's redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Secondly, He brings us into relationship with Him and His Spirit who fills us and works through His Word and directs us and helps us in life. So many people try to get the promised land without getting relationship. Oh, man, I'm preaching better than your amen right there. Oh, come on. So many people want the blessing, but they, realize, they don't realize that if you don't walk with the blesser and you don't know him and you walk with him, then you don't get the blessings. And, and many people think that God's like a cosmic bellhop or a cosmic Santa. 
just going to come and give you stuff because you say Jesus or something. He brings the children of Israel out before the mountain. He delivered them. Why? Not to give them the promised land, although that was part of it. It was a byproduct. He brought them out that He might know them and have covenant with them. And I'm going to tell you, you will never, ever be satisfied in your life if you don't learn to walk with God and have relationship with Him. Some of you are straight angry at God. I can even see it this morning. You're angry. Because you felt like He should have done something for you. Or you're disappointed that, that something happened in a church. And Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's evil in the world. And, there's, and there's, there's pastors that are no good. Like we talked about. There's people that are in it to take your money. There's people that are in it to manipulate you. There's people that are doing what they're doing so that they can get something from you. But that is not the heart of God. That's not the heart of the Good Shepherd. So you've got to... Come on, if, if people can drive you out of a place... You know, nobody could ever get me out of church. Ever. You say, how's that? Nobody ever got me in. God came, revealed Himself to me. And He so healed me, so touched me. I mean, everybody can go to hell in a handbasket. I'm staying, so help me God. I'm going to stay. Where am I going to go? He alone is the words of eternal life. So He brings us out of bondage. Why? To bring us into relationship with Him. That's what He did with the children of Israel. And that's what He does with you and I. So we'll come to church and and it's good to come to church. But there's more than just coming to church to just come to you come to church to get refreshed. You come to church to in, encourage your walk with God. And do you know that there who, those people that say, Well, my church is out here in the mountain, that's the biggest bunch of hogwash I have ever heard in my life. It's not even scriptural. You take them to 1 John. That fellowship with other believers is mandatory. I mean, there's something wrong with your salvation. I'm serious. There is something wrong with your salvation if you can't go to church. You say, well, I just haven't found the right one yet. We'll keep looking. But don't look for a perfect one because you won't find it. And if you do, you will ruin it. We come out of sin and death and God brings us to Sinai for relationship. And out of that relationship, we begin to understand our purpose. And Moses tells the people, and the same is true for us, that we become His treasured possession. I want you to turn to Ephesians. Hold your finger there or put a pencil in, in Exodus. We'll come back to it. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. God thinks you're somebody. Look, you are your, His treasured possession. Go ahead, say it. I am His treasured possession. Turning to Ephesians. He owns everything, yet He thinks you and I are His treasure. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 says, And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And His incomparably great power for us who believe. Look at that 18b. Now the hope which He has called you, the, the riches of his, his glorious inheritance in the saints. His what? His inheritance in the saints. Say it. His inheritance in the saints. Now listen. 
when my father passes away, God forbid, I pray he lives and goes on and we all get raptured out of here. You know, it's not good to go through death. It's not fun, but it is part of life. My father passes. I think there was a time I wasn't in his will, but if he was to pass now, I'm pretty sure that he's left me something. He has something for me. That would be called an inheritance. Okay, that's just a physical inheritance. It might be money or properties or something like that. Right? A godly man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That means even for my own children, my father would leave an inheritance as a godly man. There's spiritual inheritance, right? I have, I have a tremendous spiritual heritage for which I'm eternally grateful for. Because I actually think that that's more powerful in my life than any dollar bill or land could ever be. And some of you have a spiritual inheritance. Think about this for a second. What is God's inheritance? Now, He can have anything. <laughs> he can have it all. No, I mean, He can have it all. I mean, He can have a whole warehouse of Suzuki JSXR 1100s. I mean, he, he, He's God. What could you possibly give God as an inheritance? What that says right there is that you are. That you are so special and so significant and so treasured before God that as He was to get an inheritance, His inheritance is you. Now let me just tell you that that ought to destroy all unworthiness in your life. I might preach in a second. I don't think my wife would mind if I shared this. She'll probably end up preaching it at some point. But when she, when she came to her family, can I tell the whole thing, babe? When she came to her family, she was out of wedlock. In other words, her parents weren't married. And through a supernatural experience in the Lord, God showed her, in herself, showed her as she was in her mother's womb and experienced the anxiety that her mother had, the pain, the disappointment of being pregnant, and the sense, the sense that she wasn't wanted or that she was an accident. And in that same moment, came to her and healed her. And she, never, she couldn't understand that for years in her life, she would walk down the aisles of a supermarket and, 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 and apologize for her very existence of being there with a cart when somebody else is trying to come by. Constantly struggled in the past with self-worth. She had this thing. You, listen, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't need to raise your hand. But I'm going to tell you, this, this Christian thing is not something that we just do so we can get a couple goosebumps on a Sunday. It's not something we do just so that we can say, oh, I'm a Christian, or put a fish on the back of our truck or our car. We serve God and have a relationship with Him. And out of that relationship, He will heal you of every wound, every hurt, every disappointment. And, and, and what I'm going to tell you what He wants to do in this house, what He wants to do in the body of Christ, there's been identity theft. Now, if you're God's treasured possession, once you begin to realize that you're His treasured possession, your chest starts coming out. You realize that you are bad. What do you mean you're bad? I mean you are God's favorite. I'm God's favorite one. So are you. But some of you don't realize it. So you walk around with a big loser sign on your head, waiting for, for the next horrible thing to happen. You need to shake that off. 
And really all it is is pride. You see, you believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose again from the grave, but it's not good enough for you. You're waiting for God to do something. What do you want Him to do? Die on a cross again just for you? No, He did it. You have to receive it. I love what my wife shared with me back then that there was a sense within her to just stay in this wallow of, 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 of despair and hopelessness and sadness. It was so a part of her being. And when God came to her, He healed her. Some of you need to let go of your past, baby. You need to let go of some stuff and move into this new thing that has, God has for you. You're His treasured possession. Come on, say amen. You're special. Go ahead, say I'm special. The greatest thing I think you can do, especially as a new believer, and whether you're 20 years in the Lord or just newly saved, if you've never done this, you need to do it. You need to get the Scriptures on, on your identity in Christ. And you need to pound them into your heart. Because some of you think that you're the sum total of your education. Some of you think that you're the sum total of your, of your, your, your father's family, your mother's family. And you carry some of that iniquity, that generational sin or propensity to drink. Propensity to get angry. Can I tell you something? You can get healed of your anger problem. You can get set free from your alcohol problem. You can be delivered from mental illness and disease. Ha! I'm preaching better than your amen. Come on, I'm telling you. God can do it for you. But you've got to come to understand who you are. You're God's treasured possession. Say it. I am God's treasured possession. Wow. Come on, somebody say wow. Think about that. Man. Creator of the universe. You're His inheritance. You and I are God's treasured possession. And we're a kingdom of priests. Well, what does that mean? Turn to Revelation. We're a kingdom of priests. God goes on to tell them that that Israel is His treasured possession, but it relates to us. Jesus being the, the Passover lamb. Egypt being the past life, Pharaoh being Satan, sin being the tormentor and the, and, and the bondage. God has set us free. Because of the blood of the Lamb, we are no longer bound by sin. Romans talks about it. We're free. We've been delivered. We've been healed. Revelation chapter 1, turn there. Talking about purpose. Living with purpose. We're a kingdom of priests. We're not only God's treasured possessions, but we're, we're a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? Revelation 1. What are the things that you will notice in Scripture is that Scripture will define Scripture. Revelation 1 and verse 5. To Him who loves us and freed us from our sins. Are you all there? Say Amen. To Him who loves us and freed us from our sins by His blood and made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve His God and Father. To Him be the glory and power forever and ever. That's the idea here in Exodus. It's the same picture. John the Revelator understands it to mean basically two things. We're a kingdom. Say, I'm a kingdom. Now say, I'm a priest. Daniel chapter 7, I'll just read it to you. Verse 22. And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under all of heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. 
okay, I'm, 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 I'm headed. I'm headed to preach to myself in a second. Okay. Thank you, Brother Barry. Come on, say in my kingdom. Look at now what it means to have our purpose being a kingdom. Kingdom. You all there? The first thing it means to be a kingdom. Okay, so let, let, me, let, me, let me summarize where we're at. And we're taking Old Testament out of Exodus 19 and we're relating it specifically to us now as New Testament people. Okay? You all understand that? Not at me if you do. Alright, so we got about three quarters understanding. Either that or you're not going to nod your head no matter what happens. Would you like some money? See, you're not nodding your head. Okay, praise God. I'll be encouraged then. Revelation 1.5 talks about the very same thing that, that Exodus 19 does, that we would be a kingdom and priests. Kingdom. The first thing it is to be a kingdom is to have dominion. Everybody say dominion. In Genesis 1 and 28, the word dominion means to rule. God made Adam and Eve. Genesis 1 talks about the creation of man. Made Adam and Eve to rule. To what? To rule or to have dominion. And Satan attempts, well, Satan tricked them. They fell for it. And they forfeited their rule. They forfeited their dominion. They gave up the title rights or the deed to the earth. And they gave it to Satan. I used to read that text where Jesus was led into the wilderness uh, by Satan, he fasts for 40 days. And then Satan comes and he leads him and he, and he says, I'll give you, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And I'm not saying this in order. All the areas of temptation are right there as Satan tempts Jesus. Jesus overcomes every one of them. Shows him all the kingdoms of the earth and says, I'll give you these for they've been given to me if you'll bow down and worship me. Now, I never understood what that meant. I thought that lying devil, he's just a liar. No, no, actually, they were given to Satan. And they were given to Satan in Genesis chapter 1 right there when sin took place. Adam forfeited the title deed. And Satan attempts to rule this planet through sin. He attempts to rule your life, my life, and the way that he can do that is through sin. If you yield to sin, you give in to sin, then you'll end up basically not under the dominion of God in the long run, but under his dominion and his rule. You're the slave to the one who you obey. So some of you are Satan's slave this morning. We're going to try to help you out by the end of the service. I got one amen. Praise God. See, God's intention for us is to be the head and not the tail. God's intention for us is to be blessed, not cursed. God's intention intention for us is to walk in, in truth. Dominion. Rule. You have authority. It's the next point. Kingdom authority. I'm talking about a kingdom. What does that mean? The first thing it means is to have dominion. The second thing it means is to have kingdom authority. And the best picture of that to me in the New Testament is Peter and John at the hour of prayer go to the gate called Beautiful. They see a man who's brought there daily to beg for alms. They, they look at him and, he, and the man fixes his eyes on him expecting to receive something from him. And Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And they take the boy and they yank him up and his ankles are completely healed. His feet are healed. And he goes around leaping and jumping and praising God and goes into the temple for the first time in his life. Because if you were, if you were lame or you were halt or you were withered, you couldn't go into the temple. He runs into church for the first time in his life, rejoicing. 5,000 people get saved. 
Silver and, go- silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. You see, Peter and John understood the authority that they had. You need, you and I need to understand the authority that we have. We've been redeemed. You're part of His kingdom. If, everybody say if. You're part of His kingdom. If you've made the king, to if you've received the king. If you've received what He's done for you on the cross, then you become part of His kingdom. Okay? You're not part of His kingdom until that happens. Until true repentance really comes. Then you become part of His kingdom, but not before that. Oh, He still loves you, but you won't have dominion and you certainly won't walk in any authority. And part of His kingdom is to express His kingdom, power and authority everywhere you go. That's why we pray for the sick. Because when we pray for the sick, they get healed. You say, does everybody get healed, Pastor? Not everybody. I mean, we don't always see the healing right then. Sometimes people get healed as they go. Other times people don't get healed till they get to heaven. One thing's for sure, we know that you're going to get healed if you're in Christ. We just don't know when it's going to happen. Okay, you might die and go to heaven, but you'll be healed then. So we don't understand when that is or how that all works. We just know that we're supposed to walk in kingdom power, dominion, and authority. Everywhere you go, you ought to realize that the kingdom of God's within you. You're His treasured possession. You have dominion. You've got authority. The third thing we see about a kingdom is it will reign with Christ. And you'll see in Revelation chapter 20, it will rule and reign for a thousand years. I heard one preacher say, this is just a test. This is a test. You're in training. You're You're being trained to reign. The second aspect of that I need to say this. Think about this. You're a, you're a, you're a kingdom. And God, God's purpose for you is to express his, his power and His authority everywhere in your life. Some of you live far beneath your birthright. The second aspect is a priest. He's called us to be priests. So the purpose for us is to be priests. Well, what does a priest do? He's a, be mediator. It's a number of things a priest does. To be a mediator. Be mediators. Go ahead, write it in the write it in the blank. M e d i a t o r s. Mediators. Some of you have been to mediation. I won't ask you who that is, but some of you have been to mediation. What does a mediator do? They sit there as a third party, and and or however many parties there could be multiple parties, and they can sit there and they try to work it out until there's agreement. Do you know that you and I are called to do that? We're called to be a mediator. You said we are. Yeah, a mediator between. Well, to talk to God on behalf of people, say that, to talk to God on behalf of people and talk to people on behalf of God. Come on, that's what witnessing is. That's what praying is. Come on, have you prayed for somebody this week? Great, all five of you. Hallelujah. Should we just change this to a prayer, a message on prayer? You see, once you understand that you have king, you have, that you have authority, you'll begin to pray. Man, I have stood in people's homes where their daughter was gone for two, two or three years, I forget. Two or three years gone on a crystal meth binge. Everybody's been touched by that here. Somebody knows somebody in here that's been touched by that horrible thing. I have stood in their home hearing the report, we want our daughter to come back. 
The power of God comes on me in such a way that I know that it's not only God's will, it's time for me to pray that prayer to bring that girl home. Stood there, prayed in the name of Jesus. And before I knew it, it's not something like I, I thought about, oh, I'll say this. As you're praying and you're filled with the Spirit, God will oftentimes just give you words. And as I was just absolutely livid over the fact that this young girl was robbed from this family, they showed me pictures, was gone for two or three years, and that it was God's intention and God's will for her to come back and be delivered and set free. As I stood there, I said, that's it. In the name of Jesus, we call her back. And these words came out of my mouth. In the next week, you'll receive a phone call and she'll be home within a month and everything's going to be all right. And everybody began to cry and then shout. And I left that home. Hallelujah. I left that home going, oh, God, what did I just say? Jesus. You know, and I thought, well, praise the Lord, that's got to be you. Do you know what happened? The girl called the next week, was home within a month and got into our church, got saved. She got home. She called. She got she was home within three or four weeks. No, no more than four. God came to the church, gave her heart to Jesus, got set on fire and got discipled, married a man of God is in ministry today. One prayer, one prayer. He said, well, that's because you're a pastor. Oh, slap yourself. No, it isn't. It has nothing to do with it. it. has everything to do with understanding that you're a kingdom and a priest. And when you pray in authority, God will move. Sickness, disease, impossibilities, they bow the knee before your prayer. When you pray, God will move. Unless, of course, you're riddled with sin. And then, of course, you have no power. Amen. We're not only called to be, to be mediators, but we're called to be servants. We're called to be servants. To serve God and to serve people. And if you miss that, you will miss. To offer spiritual, turn to 1 Peter, offer spiritual sacrifices. Mmm, yeah. I'm going to tell you that some of you don't have the breakthrough because you don't have the gumption to stand up and the authority to understand who you really are. And if you were to stand up really understanding who you are, that you're God's treasured possession, and you are all that, bag of chips and three Coca-Colas, and that if you pray, that if you pray, that thing that's bugging you, that thing that's afflicting your home, that thing that's, that, that lust, that greed, that anger problem will bow the knee before that thing. You, come on, you've got to get filled with the Word. You've got, some of you are like spiritual athletes, but you've not been doing any training. Every one of us is called to be a spiritual athlete. You've not begun to work out again. Thank God I got back in my suit. Praise the Lord in one week. Hallelujah. My body wants to train. I'm going to tell you, your spirit wants to run like... like a, Ah, wants to just run like a spiritual athlete. And you cannot run like that unless you get the Word deep down in you. You need to get the Word so in you, you think it. It becomes your reality. And then whenever you see something that doesn't line up with the Word, you say, well, that ain't going to work. Bow, baby, bow in Jesus' name. This is part of your purpose, people. First Peter 2. Verse 4, as you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him. Mm. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Wow. Look at C. We have access. I love Hebrews 10. If you can turn there quickly, go for it. We have access as priests. 
access to God's presence. Once a year, the high priest would go in and offer sacrifices and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement. Once a year. And when Jesus died on a cross on that Friday, that temple curtain that separated the the Holy of Holies from the holy place was ripped from the top to the bottom, signifying, first of all, it wasn't man ripped it, because if man was to rip it, he'd rip it from the bottom, signifying that God ripped it, tore it. A curtain as wide as my hand. It had all kinds of fabric, and I even think it had metal woven into it. I mean, it was a serious curtain. We're not just talking about a little light-blocking window shade. Thick. And when Jesus died on that cross, the whole earth went dark, and there was an earthquake, and that curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom, a place that the, that the high priest could only go in once a year, and if you were to go in... Uh, with unauthor- with no out- without authorization, then you'd get struck dead. The, power- the presence of God. I mean, God's presence, God, was behind the curtain. And when Jesus died, that curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. You go read it in the stories of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go check it out. You know what that signifies? It signifies that the Holy Spirit is not behind some curtain. He doesn't live in a temple that's been made by hands. He comes to live in your heart. He comes to live in my heart. Why? So we have power, so we have authority to comfort, to bring the kingdom everywhere that we go. You're not somebody that's just left here as an orphan. Jesus said it would be better for you to go that I would go that you might that I might send the, the, the helper. My, my, my. Jesus died and that curtain was rent. Which is really a type and a shadow of that which is in heaven. And I don't have time to go into all that. But the truth of it is that the blood of Jesus was sprinkled not on the mercy seat made by man, but on the mercy seat of heaven. Why? For your life and for mine. And so when you stand before God, you are totally forgiven. There's not one thing that God, that God looks at you. He sees perfection. He looks through the lenses of the blood of Jesus. Wow! When I got a hold of that, I ran laps around the church. Couldn't stop. I thought, what? He doesn't even hardly remember anything I did. Nothing. Not if you've repented for it. It's under the blood. That's why the Scripture says it, it, to... It, pardon me. There were new creations in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. So in one moment, when you pray a prayer, here you are, one rank sinner, lusting, greedy, all the, all the stuff you've ever done. Don't look at me like you never did anything. You ever stolen before? Oh yeah, that would make you a thief. You ever lied before? Yes! <laughs> have you ever lusted before? Now, now, I personally have never done that. Hey! Right, what did that make you? The Bible says if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery. That's what Jesus said. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? I've got one honest person over here. Praise the Lord. How about over here? You ever take the Lord's name? No, I've never done that. Of course we have. You, you probably did it in your sleep and didn't know if you don't think you did. So by our own admission, we've broken five of the Ten Commandments. We need some help. But when you pray that prayer, Lord, forgive me. Thank you for dying on a cross. Thank you for rising from the grave. Come into my life. I'm sorry, oh God. Wash me and cleanse me. Poof. <laughs> 
rebuke it, translate it. Brought out of the kingdom of darkness, says the Word of God, into the kingdom of His Son. You, you change kingdoms. Some of you need to change the kingdom that you're serving. Hebrews 10, verse 19, watch this, and I'm almost done. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, I've just explained it all to you. By a new living way, open for us through the curtain that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere heart full and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For He who promises faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another even more and more as the day as you see the day approaching. Wow! Praise God! Awesome! Why do you need to encourage one another? I can feel eternal encouragement happening here. Why do we need to encourage one another? Because the devil's a liar and he wants to try to rip you off and try to convince you that you're a loser instead of a treasured possession. Try to convince you that you don't have any power instead of somebody who walks in authority. Tries to convince you that, that the sum total of your hurts are too big for God to heal. I don't care if you were planned to be an abortion and somehow you escaped it or if you were, if you were birthed in the back of a 57 Chevy or if you were a pimp or a prostitute or a drug addict or anything in between or if you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. It does not no matter where you have come from, God is on the throne, wants to heal you, wants to set you on fire, wants His power to come over you so that you can be a new creation, so that you can be on fire. Why? It's part of your purpose. Ah! I have just preached myself happy. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. If you get a hold of your God-given, blood-bought right, you'll begin to stand up and never, never settle for that, for that sin, that, the besetting sin that you've been yielding to. Never! Oh, turn to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 and verse 6. Man, this is a feast this morning. Isaiah 61, 6. And you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. One of the aspects of walking with His this purpose of being a treasured possession. He's delivered us, amen, from Egypt. We're His treasured possession. If we carefully live for Him and obey Him, then we'll walk in, in this kingdom power. We'll be a kingdom. We'll be priests. And not only that, but we'll have His provision right there in the notes. We have His provision, D. You feed on the wealth of the nations? My, my. You'll be called priests of the Lord and ministers and named ministers of God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations. Because you're, you're let me say it this way, because you are His priesthood, He'll provide. I thought we'd have a greater shout than that. 
God provides for His priests. That's me. Say that's me. Go ahead and say it. Say I'm a kingdom and a priest. Come on, some of you don't believe it. I'm trying to get it over to you. You got to understand. And if you're if you're a priest according to Isaiah 61, He's going to provide for you. He'll provide for you. We're a holy nation. That's the fifth thing. A holy nation. Everybody say we're a holy nation. And of course, this all relates to Israel in the Old Testament. And as they come into the fullness to receiving Messiah, it's what they become as well. For the Gentile, that's you and, you and I, and for those who've received the King, we become a holy nation. What does it mean to be a holy nation? It means to share in God's nature, Second Peter, verse 1. Pardon me, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in His divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. My goodness. Through these, you've been given these very precious and great promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. We have, a, we have God's nature within us. The, look, this message is too deep. Just, I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. And I, I, the, I, I've gleaned some things to put this together. The entire thing is it's not for me. Like I said, I milk a lot of cows, but I make my own butter. I've gleaned some things. This section right here from Dr. Morocco. You, this, message is, this message is too deep for both you and I to sit here and listen to it on a Sunday morning and just go, wow, wasn't that a great word? Because it is a great word. I know it's a great word. I can feel it. I'm getting messed up myself. Where's Heidi? Is Heidi, Heidi around? Or, uh, or Are you ready? Come on. That's okay, Heidi. We're, we'll have Micah come. Just take a load off. Relax. You've got to meditate on these things. You've got to think about it. You've got to, you've got to get it into your heart. It's like, don't just let it be some head knowledge. You have purpose. Don't live beneath your God-given purpose. Don't do it. It's, a, it's not what God's intention for you is. Oh, I've got to hurry. What does it mean to be a holy nation? Share in God's nature. To have a public testimony. We overcome and by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. The scripture that you can look up later, 2 Thessalonians 1.3. I love testimonies. Thirdly, as a holy nation, Satan has no hold on us. Jesus said in John 14.20, He has no hold on me. Why? Because Jesus didn't have any hooks from the devil in, you, in him. As far as some of you here, you've been hooked. You have hooks on the inside of you. You want to walk in power. You want to walk in authority. But the hooks of sin remain in you. You cannot walk in kingdom power. You will not walk in kingdom power. You will not walk in authority. You will not have all of these things that we're talking about if you leave the hook in. I remember King Salmon fishing. One of these rivers 
up the highway outside of Willow. Man, I got this giant salmon, but it wasn't fighting quite right. You know what that means. It's going sideways and stuff. I snagged him. The trick is snagging him in the mouth. Anyway, I snagged it in the back, and, you know, I'm going to bring the thing in because you got to get the hook out or cut the line or something, so the fish is huge, really tired. As I bring it in, I look, and it was like, not just a big king salmon, it was the big king salmon with the king of snags. The thing had more setups, more hooks in its back than I've ever seen any fish. Some of you are like that. I'm going to tell you, a king salmon is going to have a real hard time with all of that stuff in its back. It's tired. Can I make the Alaska application as king salmon closes on the 13th? Jesus, help us. can't swim real good with a whole bunch of hooks all up in its back. Jesus said and in John 14, 20, He has no hold on me. Can you say that? Can you say that? Can you say that Satan has no hold on you? You see, you wonder why there's no power, no authority, no joy, because you've allowed for the hooks of the enemy to be all up in your back, and you're waiting for God to just do something special. i got news for you. You know what I had to do? I, had to, I could have cut my line. And I, I, I brought the fish in was able to unhook that my my king salmon bead setup thing, and I pull and I pulled out some of the other ones, and then it, it got away. It got away from me. And you're not allowed to eat it, of course, even though it's going to die. I did not walk in in a freedom and a liberty, and I did not have joy. I was a believer that was bound. I was I was a believer that was. Oh, I might have gotten off of drugs and different things like that, but I was still bound in my mind. I hated myself. Some of you are filled with self-hatred. You look at yourself in the mirror and you can't stand what you see when you don't know that God calls you His treasured possession. That's who you are. You're a princess. And if you don't know who you are, then you will settle for whatever the enemy wants to throw your way. We're called to be a holy nation. To be a holy nation means that Satan has no hold on you. I'm telling you, there's a place. There's a place where the burden will break. There's a place where the yoke will be destroyed. There's a place where God can come so strong in you that you will never settle for any of that other stuff. That when depression even tries to whisper your name, you backslap that thing so hard, it runs. You don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to stay in Egypt. You don't have to stay under the the taskmasters that drive you every day. You can be free. It is part of your purpose to live free. Do things His way. Number four. Thy will be done. Part of being a holy nation. And lastly... You've got to learn to yield to God's purpose. I, what I've told you is a framework for what God's purpose is for your life. It's to be His treasured possession. To be delivered from Egypt. Like the children of Israel. To come into relationship with them. 
And out of that relationship, He'll bring you into the promised land and you'll have power and authority to fight every devil and every giant that shows up. You'll take a stone like David and begin to sling that thing around and sink it in Goliath's head. You don't have to settle and live beneath your God-given, blood-bought right. God has made a way for you. He has given you access. You are His treasured possession. You are a royal priesthood. You are His people. He is the good shepherd and He's trying to lead you to a place of freedom and joy and hope and authority. Kingdom power. Kingdom power and one day will rule and rule and reign with Him. Come on, stand up and give God a shout of praise. Come on. Jesus! Jesus, we thank You and praise You. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You want to make Him your king. You want to enter into this kingdom. You want to let go of the hooks. You want God to come. I don't care if you grew up in church or you've given your heart to Jesus 15 times and fell off, fell off the wagon 15 times. It's time to get on fire for God. It's time to get on fire. It's time to pull the hooks out and go all the way. You know, so God's got a great thing for you. Oh, the grapes, milk, and the honey. Sometimes I feel like Moses up here where I just plead with you. Won't you just obey and live for Him? Come and taste and see that He's good. He's far above all else in the earth. It is your purpose. You say, no, my purpose is to make money. You're a fool. My purpose is to have fame. You're a fool too. And when you get to those places, you'll find... Come on, look at all, look at, look at, look at Hollywood. They've got fame and they have money and they, they end up killing themselves. You don't have this settled. Your purpose is to be delivered from Egypt and to live for Him. If you do not live for Him, I promise you a life of pain. And if you live, one of the most painful things is to live one foot on one side of the fence and one on the other. That's a life of torment. When I got a hold of this, the truth that I've taught you, and I hope that you review these notes and dig it out. Don't just listen to me and just go home and go, wasn't that nice? Go home and study. You're His treasured possession. No, number one, he, He's delivered you so that you could come into relationship with the one who made you. Number two, you're His treasured possession. And in, in, in light of that, your purpose is to be a kingdom. A kingdom. You. Kingdom of God's within you. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what Jesus preached. You're a priest, a mediator between God and man and man and God. A holy nation, a royal priesthood. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus or you want to make a recommitment to Him, if that's you, you realize, man, I'm, I'm getting real with God. I'm going in. I'm going to get the hooks out. I'm going all the way for Jesus. If that's you, whether it's the first time or recommitment, nobody moving, please. Nobody, nobody walking around. I'm almost done. If that's you, all across this place. On the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you over there. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you all the way in the back. All right. I never want to embarrass anybody. I saw your hands. But there is a principle in Scripture that says this. If you acknowledge me before men, 
I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you. There is absolutely, positively, I'm convinced of it, something about making a public declaration that, yeah, I'm going to live for God or I'm recommitting my life this day. If that's you, you're serious about it. You're serious about giving your heart to Jesus, whether it be the first time or a recommitment. If that's you, come to the front right now. Right now, come. Leaders are coming, please. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. If that's you, you're serious. Yeah, I'm going to get right with God. Come right to the front. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come to Jesus. Come on. If you're not, if you're not moving yet, you know you need to be here. Come right now. Come on, church. You ought to put your hands together for these folks. Come on. Come on. I want you to activate. Look at me. Look at me. Look, you're looking. Activate the evangelist within you. Talk to the person on your right and your left. And you ask them, hey, do you want to go up there? I'll go with you. You have Jesus. You're living for God. Go ahead. Come on. Don't be unashamed. Don't be, don't be, don't let shame. Come on. Don't let shame hold you back. Talk to somebody. still room. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. All across this place. Come on. If that's you, come right now. Don't let shame hold you back. Hey, this might be the last church service you're ever in. We don't know. All right, all eyes up here. Everybody all across this place. Look at me. All up front. Look at, look at Pastor. Okay? Let's start fresh. Amen? Start afresh. Right? Go for it. And in this one moment, when you pray this one really simple prayer, which lasts for about 15 seconds, do they still have blackboards in school? Okay. Let's sure. I used to love cleaning the blackboard but I would do it with a bucket and really clean water. And I used to love leaving the blackboard perfectly black with no streaks or lines. You've got to do it with a real clean sponge. Everything that you've ever done wrong has been recorded. Everything. Every single thing. Now here's the good news. God, right now, as you take a step of faith, as you believe on Jesus and you pray this very simple prayer, what He's going to do is He's going to come to all the things that you've done wrong. And He's going to take like a sponge dipped in blood because that's the only thing that takes away sin. Without the shedding of blood, says the book of Leviticus, there is no forgiveness of sin. You see, you're so precious and so made in the image of God that somebody has to die for what you did, but it's not you if you believe on Him. But you'll live a life of death until you receive it or live for it. So right now, we're going to pray, and it's like God is going to take the, the blood and begin to just wipe away all your sin in one moment. 
That's why it's called good news. All right. Those of you up front, close your eyes. Those of you out in the congregation, pray along with us. If you're not up here and you're going to give your heart to Jesus afresh or for the first time and you haven't come, that's okay. Just do it right where you're at. Those of you online, those that will listen by podcast, television, or CD later on, pray right out loud right now. Say, Dear Jesus. Come on, right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Forgive me for all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Free me from every hook. And fulfill my purpose for which I was born. Give me a hunger for the Word of God. Give me a desire for fellowship with other believers. And fill me with your Spirit. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Just lift your hands all across this place. Lift your hands to God. Holy Spirit, come now. Fill. Break every bondage. Break every curse. Break generational iniquity. And fill them, Lord, with the light of heaven. Fill them with your spirit. Heal their broken hearts. Heal their broken hearts. God's healing broken hearts. Some of you need to forgive people right now. You need to forgive your mom and dad. You need to forgive that, that, that man or that woman, that ex-wife. You need to forgive. You need to let it go. Jesus, fill and touch them now. Give God a hand clap of praise, won't you? Now, one more thing. I want you all to stay here. Here's what's going to happen. Micah's going to lead us in a worship song that we all know. All right? And you all are going to stay here for a second. All my leaders, wave at me. Okay. You're going to hold a clipboard in your hand with a pen, and you're going to take information from these people. They're not going to fill it out for you. Let me remind you. We're going to give you a Bible study. Okay? We're going to help you. Why do you do that? Because it would not be right if a baby was born and we left it on the doorstep. We want to help you grow in the things of God. All right? So, leaders, would you come? Just begin to take information from them. And uh, just right where you're at, right here, turn. We'll get more clipboards if you need them. Help them. Come on, we're going to worship God. Ready? Come on, let's worship Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, people. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great how great is our God. How great is our God. Come on, sing it. Church is almost over. How great Come on, just thank Him for what He's doing today. Is our God. Oh, sing with me. How great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Come on, He's the name, sing it to Him. He's the name above all names. We're 
guys right here. We're all going to take communion together, but everybody get up in the altar. Come on, slide out. Slide out. We're going to take communion all together. Come on. Everybody serve. Hold on, Todd. We're going to go with you. These guys can't wait over there. Ah! It's called the Happy Meal. Hey, hey! Nothing's dead about it. He's not dead anymore. He's alive! Even forevermore. If you need to slip out, you need to go. I understand it's okay. We're unoffended. We'll hope to see it tonight. But for those of you that are coming, Pastor Karen, would you join me up here, sweetheart? You know what my wife and I do frequently? I'll show you as soon as she gets up here. <laughs> Come here, babe. 
Has everybody been served? Well set? Here we do this. Because we're in covenant together, that's why. Amen. Are you ready? Now, if you're sick or you need healing, you can believe for it right now. God heal you. Amen. Now, this is just a cracker. Everybody say cracker. And this is juice. All right? But they're very powerful symbols. And it says in 1 Corinthians 11 that if you do what we're about to do in a way that's not worthy, then actually you eat and drink judgment on yourself. Well, you want to make sure you do it worthy. What does that mean? That means when you eat this little cracker and drink this little cup here in just a minute, the way of doing it worthy is you really, before God, examine your heart and you just ask God to forgive you for where you've fallen short, where you've blown it. And to ask God to cleanse you if you haven't already done that. I mean, we just all prayed that the prayer we give our hearts back to Jesus, right? And then you eat and drink, declaring what He's done on the cross and declaring that He's going to come back. Right? So here we go. I'll lead you. Father, thank you for what you did. And Jesus, on the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And this is my cup, which is the cup of the new covenant, the cup of my blood, which is shed for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So, Father, we remember what you did. You sent your son, Jesus, died on a cross for us and rose again from the grave. And, Lord, we received him. And, God, we just ask you forgive us for any wrong thoughts or motives that we might have had over this past week that you would wash us and cleanse us now. Confess your sins to Him and He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. And Lord, we declare that you're coming back for a spotless church. We thank you that we're your treasured possession. We're a kingdom. Priests. Heal people now. whole bunch of people being healed, emotional healing going on. whole bunch. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat and drink together. Somebody say praise the Lord. I think that's become tradition. You don't have to break your cup, but curse of sin is broken. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for what you did today. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I hope to see you tonight. Praise the Lord.